0: The Heather McCoy Show. And welcome to The Heather McCoy Show. In our middle segment today, I'll be talking with Tom Tesser with this TIF Illumination Project in Chicago. We'll talk about how the city of Chicago is divided up into multiple TIF pools to subsidize businesses and charter schools we're taking away from the city's commons. Then to round out the show, we'll have another look at the other side of the Cleveland National Forest with Robert Larson. But first, we'll start off with a regular contributor, the blogger behind Fieldeschemes.com, Neil DeMoss. Welcome to the show, Neil. TIFs. They're working my side of the street, man. (laughs) They are working your side of the street. Um, I loved your August 6th entry into the the fieldofschemes.com website titled, Scott Walker says giving the bucks $450 million in tax money is protecting taxpayers. Words have no meaning now. Since, since Scott Walker's, you know, a, since Scott
1: Walker's, sometimes a, you just gotta you just gotta throw up your hands and 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 give up <laughs> the futility of life.
0: Yeah, since Scott Walker is a presidential candidate and elements of the Tea Party are onto the stadium subsidy game, can this hurt his presidential aspirations?
1: Um, yeah, maybe I don't know. I mean, there's like seventy-three re- Republican candidates, so. Distinguishing yourself by being the guy who's opposed to spending public money on anything unless it's a basketball arena, in which case money is no object, is probably not the best thing to do. Um, but, you know, he has been pushing for this deal for, what, a year or so now? So it's not like it's anything new, and, and he still has managed to, um, to uh, you know, remain a viable candidate, whatever that's supposed to mean. Um, I mean, look, Donald Trump is a viable candidate right now. So clearly, you, anything you do is not going to disqualify you. Um, I, I think you know, realistically, the kind of people who are are uh, are going to be annoyed at this hypocrisy are going to are not going to vote for Scott Walker anyway, um, whether they're not Republicans or whether they're you know. Um, People who are probably going to vote for uh, for Rand Paul or someone. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's I, I, I can never tell what things are going to mean for the presidential race. Um, it, it's such a a big pile of nonsense that it seems even less predictable than how state legislatures are going to behave.
0: Yeah, it's it's such a pile of nonsense. Even two thousand twelve. Like I listened back to some of my shows back then, and I'm like, no presidential politics on this show. It's just it's it's really painful. So. It,
1: it's upsetting, you know, because not to go off topic, but when I was a kid, you know, I used to really care about who was running for president, right? And like, you know, was excited to vote and thought that this was all very important because you were you were you know deciding on who was going to be the uh, the leader of your nation and expressing your politics and all that. And I have to say, if there's been one thing that uh, that growing up has taught me, it's that. A, you have a lot less say in terms of who becomes president than you think, and B, as we've seen with the last few presidents, um, they, uh, how it, it's not like being president means you all of a sudden get to uh, change the way that the country runs. There are a lot of other forces at work that uh, that determine how how things happen. So, um, well, I don't want to say that uh, that I. W- I mean, I would certainly be horrified for a lot of reasons if Scott Walker actually became president. I um, don't necessarily... I'm having a hard time at this stage of the game caring who's who's leading in the polls
0: <laughs> Yeah, well like I think I think whatever
1: happens we're going to be in a lot of trouble in t- 2017 just like we are now.
0: What was the uh, book that Hunter S Thompson wrote about like fear and loathing on the campaign trail? Like he breaks down Muskie in the whole Democratic primary and it looks like, you know, it seems like politics matters in like 72 and um you can't say that now. It's just like a yeah, well, cluster I mean, people, people used to think that, you know. Yeah. I
1: mean when, you, when when you were talking about the McGovern campaign, that was wanna say the last time that people really cared. I mean, you know, people cared about the Jesse Jackson campaign and people cared about the Obama campaign and um, but it was it was sort of a moment where there was this idea of, wow, things are really changing and we can sort of have this insurgent movement and have somebody who's different from the regular old people getting elected and I think, you know, not just on the presidential level, but on the city level and the state level, how many insurgent candidacies have we seen? And, you know, I guess occasionally some of them actually have, have an impact and make a difference. But, um, you know, as we see with stadium deals, it's way less about who the person is sitting behind the big chair and way more about who the people are behind the scenes who are exerting influences or exerting pressure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the... The system—it takes a lot more than one election to change the, system, the the political system in this country. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah,
0: yeah. And unlike John Stewart, I'm not going to spend my last two weeks on the air talking about Trump. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, downtown business interests in Kansas City are looking for a uh, an anchor tenant, and um, uh, their target is the Kansas City Royals, despite that their lease runs until 2031. If downtown business interests are really worried about maintaining the property values, why not build uh, more and cheaper housing till they were? people back to the heart of downtown, a broader residence base would live in the city 24-7-365 where a baseball team won it? What's the problem with that logic?
1: Um, Nothing's a problem with that logic. Um, I think there's a couple of things. One is they probably figure, and they may be right, that people need to have some excuse to go live downtown, right? If they think of downtown as a bad place to be, then they need something shiny that they can point to. <laughs> um, there are there are probably a lot of cheaper ways to do this than spending a lot of money on a baseball stadium. Um, you know, you can do a whole rehab of a district and put in street new street lights and, you know, who knows what you can do. There's all kinds of things you can do. Um but uh, uh, so, so that's one thing. And then the other thing, of course, is that um, it's a lot easier to get somebody else to build a stadium for you, somebody else meaning the public, than to build you a whole lot of for-profit housing. Um, although for-profit housing has come, does come with its own tax breaks and other incentives and things like that. So maybe they'll look at that. But um, you know, the, it, it, at this point, if you're a real estate developer and you don't at least have sports facilities on your radar um you're stupid because it's clearly a cash cow it's like you know being a uh uh, aircraft manufacturer and not thinking about how to sell things to the pentagon
0: yeah yeah um how did the mls expansion team minnesota united get uh is it hennepin county into the negotiating yeah hennepin county negotiating for a soccer team um, or soccer stadium when it was shut up by the city and state, because when I left for San Luis Obispo, this was dead in the water and they were talking to St. Paul, now it's suddenly back again.:
1: Yeah, the, the, this is the problem that um, we saw last time, right with the twins, I guess it was, that was Vikings were the last time. twins were two stadiums ago now. But with the twins, you know, the state legislature said no, 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 and the city council said no, 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 and then they finally found some people on the county commission who said yes. It only took four, it was a four to three vote, Um, and they passed a county sales tax. And uh, at least one of those people is still on the county commission, and a couple of them are saying, hey, we've still got the sales tax hike. How about we carve out a piece of that and give it to the Minnesota United for a soccer stadium? And, oh, by the way, if the city doesn't want to take the, uh, the property for the stadium off the tax rolls, the team can buy it and give it to us, and we'll take it off the tax rolls, which is just fiendishly clever. Um, you know, that's, that's just like super villain quality uh, <laughs> legislating. Yeah. Um, I don't know if any of this is going to happen. The county commission, full county commission still has to approve it. The state legislature has to approve it. But, yeah, the fact that we've gone from Minneapolis is saying no to, oh, the Hennepin County is going to turn around and say yes behind their backs is just a sign that nothing is ever dead in the water, as long as you have, have multiple levels of government you can appeal to.
0: Yeah. Um, how is the spending for the United going to be cut into, uh, as far as library spending?
1: Again, nobody knows, right? So the, the money from the sales tax, um, since they, they passed the sales tax to the Twins, but they wanted to make it look like, oh, you know, it's not just going to the Twins. Um, a little bit goes to library funding, some goes to uh, amateur sports, um, I think there's a couple other things. Um, and then uh, well, the rest of it, of course, goes to pay off the twin stadium bonds. Well, the twin stadium bonds have to be paid off, so that can't, isn't, isn't uh, adjustable. So either they're going to have to keep the tax running for longer in order to, uh, to make, bring in more money, uh, which means a tax increase, basically, for the sales tax increase for people in the county, or they're going to have to take the money from something else that's being spent on. Pretty much the only things you can take it away from at this point are the libraries and the amateur sports. So that's not a good thing if you're a fan of, uh, of libraries and amateur sports. But, again, they haven't explained any of this. You know, it's just a proposal right now um, because St. Paul is offering something towards the stadium. So, of course, Hennepin County has to, uh, which is you know, the other side of the river, has to offer something in exchange. Uh, the, the worst of these deals are always when you've got a bidding war, right? And uh, one of the problems that M- M- Minneapolis-St. Paul has is that despite the fact that the public there is overwhelmingly opposed to subsidies for sports venues, and, you know, has said that time and time again, as soon as you have the two cities and they can start, uh, start bidding against each other, all bets are off. So I'm not particularly hopeful this is going to turn out well. Um, if I lived in Minneapolis or St. Paul, I would mostly just be hoping that the other city won, and I would be the one not stuck with the taxes for this.
0: Yeah, now that uh, speaking of backing out, now that the city of Boston is backed out of the Olympic bid, the city of Los Angeles is being looked out for the United States sloan uh, bid for the Olympics. Unfortunately, LA Mayor Eric Garcetti is not going to negotiate away the clause that forces the city to pay for cost overruns to the Olympics. In the 1984 Olympics, um, they are exempted from the cost overruns uh, being liable for them because. Um, of the 1.8 million billion dollar deficit the city of Montreal had eight years prior. Um, what can be done as a citizen of Los Angeles to try to influence Mayor Garcetti into um, not taking this really bad deal?
1: Well, they could try to do the same thing that happened before 1984, which was to have the council have a referendum which barred any public lending of, of overruns. Um, and that's the reason that the 84... Uh, that the 84 uh, uh, Olympics wound up not having that guarantee. I think it was Tom Bradley at the time, right? Yeah. Um Who was, was you know forced to not sign the guarantee because of that. Um, so the uh, you know there's it's a little bit disappointing that Garcetti has not did not take the opportunity to say, hey, we're the only North American city, like Toronto, but uh, we're the only U.S. city that's uh, that's potentially bidding for these games. Um, you know, if you want a U.S. city involved then you're going to have to let us out of this. I don't think the IOC was going to go for that. I think they probably would have said, fine, we'll decide between whatever the cities are in Europe that are bidding for it this time. Um, But at some point, you know, this this, this is one of the best possibilities for, for leverage. And at some point, cities are going to have to think about, you know, do we say no to this overrun clause? Because it's one of the ways in which Olympics wind up going way, way over budget and are so risky. And if you didn't have that... It wouldn't be a guarantee. You could still lose money on spending a lot on transportation infrastructure or security or things like that. But um, at least you wouldn't have to worry that oh, if suddenly the uh, Olympic Stadium is running behind schedule and you have to spend half a billion dollars in rush charges, then whoops, it's the city's uh, the city that's on the hook. So yeah. um, I mean, I I'm kind of doubtful that L.A. is going to get the Uh, 2024 olympics anyway um but uh, it would have been nice to see what would would have happened at least if if uh, garcetti had said hey you know you want us you gotta you gotta do the same thing you did for us in 84.
0: yeah and we'll leave off with this um i'm really disappointed that the washington football team's offensive name is not a roadblock for the owner and of chairman daniel snyder from negotiating with the cities of uh with cities in maryland and virginia only the federal government for RFK, the RFK location has said no due to the team name. Um, since Daniel seems to lack all self-awareness, um, we will finally give him to change the name. Is it the copyright office?
1: Um, it might be the copyright office. I mean, there's, the problem is I think they can they can still do uh, like a state level copyright. So there's like there's it, it, there's a lot of different levels before you actually prevent them from selling gear with the with the team name on it. Um, You know, it doesn't seem like public shaming or, you know, threat (laughs) of uh, of uh, you know possible loss of revenue or anything like that is going to actually convince Snyder to change the name. Um, So I think, you know, the it's probably going to take him either selling the team or no longer being alive to own the team or something like that, or the NFL leaning on him. You know, I mean, I think the NFL is probably more sensitive to this than he is. So if the NFL starts starts feeling like they're facing financial repercussions, sure, maybe they would uh, they would lean on him and say, "Hey, look, uh, you know, uh, think about changing the name." Or you know, if they if he gets an offer from DC that uh, he thinks is lucrative enough, um, you know, yeah, he says he won't change the name now, but if there's a whole lot of money attached to it, it is a bargaining chip he can use. So I don't know if that's... A hopeful thing or not, um, but uh, at least we don't have to use the name. I, to be honest with you, I think I think uh, what might happen before they officially change the name is just everyone else will stop using it, which would be really funny.
0: Yeah, it's just a Washington football team, and it's not even said. But um, yeah, Donald Daniel Snyder strikes me as someone like Donald Sterling. Well, he'll he would never sell unless he's absolutely forced to.
1: And yet. Look at what happened there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Daniel Snyder could easily walk into a giant scandal. Um, You know, not him in particular, but pretty much any NFL owner, I think, is capable of walking into a giant scandal without even noticing it. So um,
0: (laughs) there's always hope. There's always hope. Neil DeMoss, he runs fieldofschemes.com and co-wrote a book by the same name. Um, Look out, I think if you type in your name in LA Times, you have an op-ed as far as the Olympic veg and you flesh that, that, that even further, right?
1: Yeah, you can you can go to demos.net and it's linked from there, or, or search for me in the LA, or just LA Times Olympics and uh, and Neil and will probably come up.
0: Okay, great. Um, talk to you next week, and thanks for being on the show this morning. Okay, talk to you. Okay, this is of course the Heather McCoy Show.